Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. All right, all right, all right, y'all. We are back. Delora, how's it going, my love? Girl, it's going. How about you? You know, we've talked about our trials and tribulations for today, but we're going to bring the energy, as always, to the podcast. So it's great to see you. It's great to talk to you. Great to have all of our lovely listeners here for episode 30, girl. We 30 years young out here. Oh my gosh. I love it. You know, thirties, you're still young. Okay. But you're experienced. Exactly. I think sums it up right now where we are. And we're trying to go for the long haul. 30 is just a number because we trying to go 200, 500, a thousand, you know, exactly. We're we're still babies. Overwhelming. (laughs) However, yes, yes. Yes, we are in this thing for the long call. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in as always. And we'll just go ahead and move into our headlines and hot topics for today. Got one of each. So, Delora, in headlines, we're talking Bachelor again because Chris Harrison, it has been announced that he is being replaced for Bachelor in Paradise. Future still remains in limbo with the franchise after everything that went down over the summer and celebrity comedians this time are who are announced as his replacement, but the only comedian so far confirmed is David Spade. They have not really commented about it, either ABC or Warner Brothers, about Chris, about Bachelor in Paradise, but the season is scheduled to begin filming this week or next week, I believe, next week. Oh, wow. And then the season premiere is going to be August 16th. So, well, I mean, yeah, it's usually a summer show. So, yeah. It sounds like it's pretty pretty confirmed at this point to me. But what were your thoughts when you heard this? Do you feel like they're stretching his hiatus too long? Or you feel like this is he's just still be in limbo? Nicest way uh, to suspend someone, I'm, I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, Chris Harris is still on leave. But in the meantime, here's two former bachelorettes. Here's a comedian. I'm not going to lie. You know, I I did watch The Bachelor many, many years ago. And then I fell off. And then I was back on the wagon for Rachel. And then again for Matt. But luckily I didn't stick to Matt's season because Lord Jesus, that's a hot fire. (laughs) But, or I should say hot trash fire, dumpster fire. Um, But it is also extremely fascinating to find out which celebrities are are a part of the bachelor nation they have it runs deep apparently and Mm -hmm. i would have never in a million years put david spade as host but you know bachelor in paradise is messy enough for that to work i feel like for sure. And I feel like David Spade, remember how he was hosting some of the Netflix like after show mm-hmm. specials? So I feel like mm-hmm. he's kind of gotten his feet wet in that host role. 
So, you know, it could be a good fit. And as we talked about, even like with Ellen and people like that, I love seeing comedians as hosts. Like they just bring mm-hmm. that extra energy, that extra charisma, that extra fun. So I'm here for it. I don't, I mean, if Chris Harrison never returned to the Bachelor franchise, it would not bother me whatsoever. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm wondering if they're going to do this like they did when we saw the After the Rose special and all that, where his voice is still going to be around. You know, what is this suspension really going to look like moving forward? Is he still going to have his hands in this to a certain extent? I'll be curious. I don't know if it's going to make me watch Bachelor in Paradise, though, but I'll at least no. check out some of these next two bachelorette season yes and you heard our i don't know if you heard or not this this new bachelorette is very vocal about her sex life so well she was the one who brought the vibrator to matt james's season so that makes total sense and i also saw one of the guys from the previous bachelorette season being one of her suitors in a promo. So I was like, okay, we'll see how this goes. Y'all like to to recycle recycle. people. Absolutely. Y'all love to recycle. So we'll see how it goes. But that was our one quick headline, Laura. Now in Hot Topics, girl, this has been the hot topic on every daytime talk show I feel like I've seen this past week. And that is Miss Naomi Osaka deciding to drop out of the French Open, citing mental health concerns. So essentially... It's been Monday that she announced that she was going to withdraw from the French Open. But this really all began on Wednesday of last week because she basically said she was not going to participate in post-match news conferences during the French Open because negative questions affect her playing and her mental health. And so the French Open said, no, 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 that's not the case. Everybody needs to go through this. So they fined her $15,000. So then this was basically the next step. She said, listen... I don't want to be a distraction. I'm just going to go ahead and step away. But it's so crazy because, you know, Naomi Osaka is now huge in in tennis. You know, she's 23, but she is the second ranked. The star. (laughs) Yeah, she's the second ranked female player right now. She's the world's highest paid female athlete in an article Mm -hmm. that I'm reading from the Times. And I mean, she is the future of the sport. Obviously, she's the present and future of the sport, I should say. So. You know, she released a statement and she says she's really been battling depression since her 2018 victory over Serena Williams at the U.S. Open. So what are your thoughts around not only the controversy, but also the idea of athletes being so beholden to these types of, you know, events or things that they're supposedly contractually obligated to do like press? What do you think about this relationship? Is it time for there to be some changes? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My initial reaction to the Naomi Osaka news was honestly big Meghan Markle energy. (laughs) This means she is unbought. She is unbossed. She it's like these traditional white institutions put these women of color in the corner and they were like, bet I don't have to do this when <laughs> when the French Open threatened Na- Naomi with more fines because mind you she was being charged fifteen thousand dollars every time she you know did a match and did not do press right she was willing to pay it and and then when she and when they tried to threaten her instead of working with her the way she was like okay cool I'm just gonna go home 
I, I, I love this energy because it's a level of ownership. It's a level of vulnerability that I feel like is important, especially for women and women of color in our society, because we as black women aren't allowed to be vulnerable. You want us to essentially athletes shut up and dribble, but right. it's like we're human beings at our core. Absolutely. And frankly, I feel like Black athletes are really being targeted recently. I mean, in basketball, fans are going crazy throwing bottles bottles at Kyrie. It's like, yes, these people are extremely wealthy, but always the time to stand up and ask why. And with her being, having the level of power that she has both in name and money, they, in their own interest, should have worked with her. And I know it would have seemed like, you know, preferred treatment or whatever, but I feel like she's bringing up a valid point. Serena Venus has done so much for tennis, mm-hmm. uh, especially for black women and for women. Um, I feel like this is the next level and Naomi is showing real leadership Yeah, you know, yeah. for mental health. Yeah. They tried to claim that she refused to engage with them, but how much time did you give her? Did you say, if you don't come and talk to us by X, Y, and Z, then that means you're going to get fine. You know, I just feel like I don't know how much I believe of what I've read or heard about the dialogue, because I agree with you. I think that there does need to be changes, obviously, that's going on if these professional athletes are feeling like it is taking a toll on their mental health. Because at the end of the day, if these athletes don't play, there is nothing else to do. Without the players themselves, there is nothing else to do. There's no reason to have media to cover it. There's no reason to have this multi-million, billion-dollar industry. So I definitely agree with you. But also... So I think it's interesting, the response that both Serena and Venus had that were a little bit different. So Serena seemed like she was a little bit sweeter and saying like, oh, I want to give her a hug. It was was a little sour, just a little, (laughs) little, because she was talking about some people are thick and some people are thin. And and mind you, she's referring to skin, skin, right? Thick skinned versus thin skinned and obviously or it also sounds like to me it could have been body type like was she trying to say i'm thick like thick physically and some people are thin physically the, 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 I mean, mental health That's athleticism why. <laughs> maybe she'll say everybody's different you know some people are thick some people are thin you know just talking about but, differences in people <laughs> if she was talking about your skin um, the skin yeah. i feel like that's where it gets kind of kind of sticky because people already feel vulnerable when they admit they have something going on mentally so it's like you don't necessarily want to be coddled or demeaned because everybody goes through something even the strongest people have anxiety a lot of time a a lot of time people just don't have the vocabulary don't have the verbiage yeah or don't what they're going through or don't recognize it that's another thing about Naomi like to be 23 it is amazing to recognize that and then take that time away for yourself to do that but but Venus's response was raw Venus was like listen everything this doesn't bother me because I know that nobody here asking me questions can play tennis as well as I can and never could. So it is what it is. Like y'all can have several seats. That's how I took that. Like, I don't care what y'all say. Y'all ain't, y'all are nowhere near my level. 
So it was interesting. But again, to the point of Naomi, I'm glad that if she is dealing with something mental health related, that she's taking the time that she needs to, you know, figure that out. But I do think it speaks to a larger issue about forcing these athletes because we've seen other athletes do this too. So the idea of being forced to participate, especially immediately post-match or post-game, because I can tell you there have been many a cringeworthy news conference with a professional athlete, like Kobe's, a couple of Kobe's when they lost like a championship. Yes. Cringeworthy. Yes. Well, you know, I, I have two points. So one I saw on Twitter, there they are a lot of male athletes who do not do press marshawn lynch warshawn yeah, he's been on that boat for a long time um there's there's another one it escapes me now but again they have put up with it and they haven't you know applied the type of pressure to where you know, that would make these men want to quit their sports. Right. So, and then the other thing is I want to bring up a friend of the pod, Andrew, he wrote something on social media that I thought was really good. Uh, He mentioned Naomi Osaka is putting on a live masterclass on how to set personal and professional boundaries. Mm -hmm. One, draw the line up front Two. Um, express the purpose with I statements. And then number three, protect those boundaries by being willing to disengage if not respected. And I thought that was really, um, really concise and well said. So yes, Andrew, appreciate that breakdown, sir. You're not here, but you're here. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, again, I hope that she does whatever it is that she needs to do to figure it out. But I do hope that there is a larger conversation that's had about media and about the way that these types of things are covered. And I I say that as someone who I have respect for media because I work in media, but it's a double edged sword. And I've heard even the argument about how the international media, as we know, even from like the Golden Globes, foreign press is just a different beast just a different animal. It is an entirely different animal. The last so. thing I was going to say to that point too, Ashley, is the fact that it's so rich that we're now in June, but when she did this, it was May. And guess what May was, Ashley? Mental Health Month. So it's like all these corporate people giving lip service to mental health and... But then as soon as someone says, hey, this is affecting my mental health. Oh, really? Oh, exactly. you want to complain now? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I so. mean, it's it's definitely still taboo. And especially when you think about athleticism and competition, because these people are considered to be at a different level than most in terms of that drive to win and succeed. And and the it's mindset, just, their yeah. mindsets are amazing to be winners. That That's really what I'm speaking to. It's yes. like... Um, just supposed to be like a different beast, like a different beast mm-hmm. that they can switch into. Isn't it like beast mode? Isn't that what yes. people, some people, yeah, that you yes. turn into to get that job done. So, I mean, again, Naomi, I wish you the very best girl. Do your thing out here in this world. And I think you're going to make some changes. So good for you. She's being a true leader and I'm here for it. All right, Delora, that's all we have today in headlines and hot topics. You ready for our recap? Ashley... This week's recap, we are recapping Corella DeVille, Corella DeVille. Yes. She doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. <laughs> Cruella, 
a Disney Plus original. So it's available on Premier Access and the theaters. Yes, yes. Almost Rated. got to the theater, guys. I almost made it. Rated PG-13. It came out literally May 28th, 2021. The film is two hours and 17 minutes long. It is a drama slash crime movie. Quick synopsis of the film. Witness the origin of Disney's most notorious and notoriously fashionable villain, Cruella DeVille. This film stars Emma Stone as Estella and Cruella, and she's a fave, so you know who she is. Emma Thompson as the Baroness, legend, okay? Uh, Joel Fry as Jasper. And I really, while watching this film, was like, where's this man from? He's from two things for me, okay? So the first would be Yesterday, a film that came out a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. featuring all of the Beatles songs. Such a fun film. He played a friend. And then Game of Thrones. He was the asshole husband of Daenerys when she first went into that kingdom. Wow. Definitely don't remember you from that, sir. A long time ago. You remember he was part of the people that were being real shady with the gold mask and things? Girl, I'd have to go back and rewatch. I do not remember. And usually I'm so good with faces. That's disappointing that I didn't remember that. Mm. Uh, Okay. One last thing that was memorable about the episodes he was in, that's when the dragons started really coming into their own. (laughs) Isn't it funny? Last week we had a Jesper. This week we have a Jasper. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. I didn't uh-huh. even think about that. Call back to Shadow and Bone. <laughs> <laughs> we have, oh, and they're both mixed race British Exactly. Men. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So we have Paul Walter Hauser as um, Horace. And you know him from Kobakai. Uh, he oh, also- sorry. I want to give a quick shout out to Kit, who plays Jesper. Thank you for checking out our story, sir. We yes, call sir. That- Appreciate you. We did. And I'm looking forward to his next project because Carrie Washington's in that one. Also a a Netflix original. Okay. uh, So, yes, Horace, the actor is featured in Cobra Kai as well as Black Klansman (laughs) and I Tanya. He was hilarious in Cobra Kai. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I actually enjoy him more in this film, though. I enjoyed his relationship with Wink. So, yes. Yes, we have John McKay as RT, who was fabulous in this film. Mm-hmm. We have Kirby Howell Baptiste as Anita Darling. And I was, tr- again, I'm like, this woman's face is so familiar. Where mm-hmm. are you from? Sis is from the good place. Yes. She played Simone. Yes. yes. So I was really excited about that. Craig Gillespie as director, his most notable work would be I, Tanya, which is a connection with him and Paul, which I thought was interesting. Dana Fox and Tony McNamara are the screenplay writers. So, Ashley, Rotten Tomatoes gave this film 74% from the critics, 97% uh, by the audience. Absolutely. Pretty amazing. And our Google users gave it an 89%. Ashley, 
what's your score? What's Girl, your this, this got an A for me, okay? Yeah! I was so excited for this film from the first trailer, and it did not disappoint me because we talked about the fact that I was worried. I was like, I hope they don't shit the bed. It was campy in the best ways. The fashion, Emma Stone was in her element, honey. Thank you, Disney, for letting Cruella live. Them Gotham DC vibes that I was getting all the entire film from the sets to the, the coloring to the tone, everything about it I loved. And then when I checked the end credits and saw y'all gave Glenn Close an executive producer credit because she's the yes, childhood queen. Cruella for me. Yes, I mean, come, come all the way through. Yes. I loved, yes. loved, loved this. And what's funny is you say it's two hours and 16 minutes. I didn't even realize it. It didn't feel that long yes. and that is the mark of a good movie so Absolutely. a for me for Cruella what about you girl all right Ashley this film gets an a minus for me okay I thoroughly enjoyed this movie but what I will tell you this okay Ashley I did not expect that because from the previews from my perspective straight trash oh were awful I was like what are they doing with this film Emma Stone's wigs looked horrendous in all of the previews okay and I was like please don't tell me this is it and then I didn't know what angle we were going for but I immediately caught the devil wears Prada vibes or whatever so yes. like, what? and then of course being a fan of daily pop they were raving about it but I'm like is this one of those movies that you really are trying to promote because you know first summer post COVID, right? They're trying to get people to go. So I just didn't trust all the advertising Hi. before it. So yeah. I went in with extremely low expectations. Wow. <laughs> wow. And when I tell you, after I saw it the first time, I was like, that was a good movie. Yes. Because Ashley, fantastic fashion, as you mentioned, fantastic music they brought all the good 60 songs incorporated in this film and a twist that I did not see coming because I'm not trying to you know to my own horn but you know my husband and I were really good at figuring out movies I did not see some of this twist okay Mm -hmm. and um the last thing I'm going to say is Obviously, the movies that it reminded me of, obviously, Devil's were the Devil Wears Prada, right? Yeah. But then it also gave me Ocean Eleven vibes. It gave me Mean Girl vibes. Okay. And this is this is a curveball, but hear me out. Sherlock Holmes, the one. No, with I could totally Robert see that. Downey yeah. Jr. Okay. I could totally see that. Gave me all of the vibes. So all of those are favorite movies of mine. And so honestly, all those elements wrapped up in this beautiful bow, fashionable bow. I was here for it. All right, Ashley. From the very beginning, I made a statement. We start off this film in a very small town outside of London. We are introduced to Estella. Uh, She is raised by her beautiful mother, Catherine. And we can tell right away that she is a fashion prodigy, right? She's brilliant. She's brilliant. brilliant. Um, We also learn very quickly that she has a bit of a mean streak so much so that her mom 
<laughs> in a throwaway line said, oh, don't be so rude. You know, you're Stella, not Cruella. Right. Who would have thought where that name came from? It was a childhood nickname of her mother <laughs> from her exactly. mother. Exactly. So we see that she also has the iconic black and white hair right off the gate. Um, yeah, it's a birthmark, essentially. Essentially, yes. And one of the things that I thought was interesting right away, because in this beginning part, she's a young girl in school, let's say elementary school. She's bullied for her hair. and But she's not really bullied because of her mean streak. She fights back and fights back often. She don't take no shit. Mm-mm. From no one. So much so that she gets kicked out of her primary school. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I thought was fascinating at this beginning part, Ashley, was the fact that she had a friendship with a dog named Buddy. I didn't think exactly. that. I, I didn't expect that being a Dalmatian, Dalmatian killer. Cruella DeVille <laughs> is had a dog, a dog named Buddy. Yeah. And <sighs> also the, the change in timeline and situation with Anita, right? Because yes. from my recollection of her relationship with Anita from 101 Dalmatians, the 1996 movie version, that oh, was okay. her employee and, you know, difference in age and all this. In this, they went to school together. They are the well, same in age. The original, in the original animation, they are school friends. I always assume that they were school friends from like, not, not elementary, you know, I guess I assume like college or something. But even in the animated version, Cruella didn't age very well. So she always <laughs> looked- smoking them cigarettes. Got <laughs> she her little always- Looks so much older than Anita, darling. Yeah, see, so. and, well, you know, black don't crack too in this, but uh, <laughs> but that's my reference though. Was the nineteen ninety six version, so I was like, hold on, what is going on? How's Anita yes. suddenly her, you know, schoolmate? But yes. not that I, it bothered me at all. I was just like, I'm no. gonna reimagine it as you see fit. But good to know that's how it went on the animated version. Yes, and so because Estella was kicked out of school, her mom, her mom being so sweet and caring and loving, she's like, okay, well, you can't be a world-renowned fashion designer in some small town. You got to go to London. But before we go to London, we have to make a stop to a friend's. So Estella and her mom drive at night to Hellman Hill where there was a fabulous party going on. Fabulous. And Marie Antoinette vibes. Yes. So her mom instructed her and Buddy to stay in the car. And she had just said beforehand, I'm going to behave, mom. I'm going to do better. Exactly. (laughs) Her mom gives her, before she leaves the car, this beautiful ruby family heirloom necklace and so Estella takes that her mom gets out the car Estella sees fashion okay (laughs) mind-blowing mind-blowing and has to take a closer look so she disobeys her mom's and she goes into the party she saw that her mom was occupied so she thought she was fine of course it did not go go as planned right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she essentially crashed this fabulous party and Estella gets in trouble and she is chased 
by these menacing looking Dalmatians, Ashley. Vicious. But you know what's funny is this movie, they're more like how I've heard Dalmatians temperaments are in real life versus the cuddly version of Dalmatians we got from the movie. Well said, Ashley, because I heard the same thing because obviously with the 1996 version, Glenn Close being, you know, the main Cruella, Mm -hmm. the sales for Dalmatian went up exponentially right yeah and so much so that it was also dangerous you know with how they were breeding it but everyone was like Dalmatians aren't the sweetest dogs I remember hearing no, that they're supposedly not good with kids and I've actually met my first Dalmatian in person name is blue I'm not going to talk trash about you on the mic blue but you know what you be over there doing Ooh. you're not the nicest dog you're not the meanest but you you're not you bully the little English bulldog you live with and I don't appreciate that so okay that's just my two cent on dalmatian still animal lover so no shade (laughs) (laughs) well ashley these vicious dogs chase estella out out of the party into this grand garden and out in the distance on like this balcony over a cliff she sees her mother talking to the lady who obviously the party is right we don't know who this is just yet and Estella hides and the next thing she sees is the Dalmatians pushing her mother over the cliff and this is also devastating because shortly before Catherine was pushed over we heard fragments of a conversation Something along the lines of, if you do this, well, you'll never see us again. So it Mm -hmm. sounded like she was blackmailing this, you know, lady of the household. Or at least asking for some type of a favor, right? And Cruella feels like, unfortunately, this is her fault. Absolutely. And she's orphaned. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Delora. I heard about this before I watched the movie. This was the one spoiler. I was devastated because I was scrolling and I think it was like a Google thing that sent me something where they, you know, the algorithms. And I saw something that said, Cruella uh, Cruella hates Dalmatians because they killed her parents. And I'm like, forget that. Put that out of your mind. Put that out of your mind. It was literally been out for like three days. It was literally the headline of the article. Uh, I hate when that happens. Me too. I tried to avoid it, but that was the one spoiler I knew. But it was still, you know, shocking to see how it went down and well, to think that she thought it was her fault. Understand that, oh, this is why this is PG-13, because how it happens was pretty dramatic. Girl, and three dogs just jumping on and attacking you like that. Like, first of all, how did none of those dogs fall over? Is one That part. <laughs> that part. That was exactly. a cliff. Okay. And one of the things that was so heart-wrenching for me was on the drive to this friend's house, by the way, Cruella talked about the places she wanted to visit in London. And one of them was Regent Park and specifically the fountain. And she, when she ran away, she managed to hop on a truck and took her to London and she found the fountain and, and she, she stayed there. And the next day she meets Horace and Jasper and Wink. So another thing is this, is this, are they childhood friends of hers too in the, in the 
cartoon film? You know what? I have no idea. And because they were hired hands in the movie, and they were goofy as all super get out. Goofy, super goofy. <laughs> but they, she didn't have that relationship with them. She didn't know them, and they weren't the same age. They were not. No. So that's an excellent point. But I actually like this this part of the story, like this twist. Oh, I do too. Telling. I do too. Um, I really enjoyed Jasper. The little boy was adorable. He was. I was like, he could have been in like Peter Pan and been one of the Lost Boys or something. Yes. That's just he the vibe he Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he absolutely could be Peter Pan. I loved his little character as a child and being just so insightful. It's like if I met a kid like yes. that in real life, those kids kind of intimidate me. I'd be like, where, who, where did you come from? <laughs> Were you here before? Yes. Like, <laughs> Where does this soul come from? She doesn't have any parents. So I met you two seconds ago. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, it kind of plays into, you know, kids who have to grow up fast, right? They're able yes. to be a lot. Into, they're intuitive. They're on their feet. They're on the toes, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah, they and, were street smart. They were street smart little kids. Absolutely. And uh, right away, Jasper asked... Or suggested that Stella should join their crew. And uh, one of the things that she mentioned was, she's like, I'm supposed to be a fashion designer, not a thief. And I'm like, oh, that kind of made me really sad. (laughs) (laughs) But what are your options? (laughs) What are your options? Exactly. And, and she becomes a part of the crew. And, but one of the things that she uh, decided to do was dye her hair. Mm -hmm. And so... And that makes sense because you figure she felt that she was going to be, someone was going to come looking for her. And I'm glad this wasn't yes. one of those stories where she ends up having to go to an orphanage and having like a terrible childhood. I did feel like this was a better alternative to that. That's a great point. Great point, Ashley. I think you're something. All right, Ashley. We fast <laughs> forward 10 years later. They are all teens or early 20s it's kind of hard to <laughs> gauge but yeah. they're young people I think it's supposed to be early 20s so somebody says something like 10 years somebody said something like that and I was like oh okay maybe they're like 22 23 well it, yeah 10 years 10 years in the future and they they are simply <laughs> a family of thieves really 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 good thieves including the dogs which is the most fashionable thieves too Oh, yes. And yes, Estella still holding on to her passion creates these fabulous costumes for Amazing. them to play, um, you know, the role they need to steal what they they going to get. You know, well, they Wink, are, Wink was the real MVP, though. What could that dog not I'm do? I'm telling you, Wink <laughs> and Buddy were adorable. Yes. I loved it. Um, I just wanted to know what happened to Wink's eye. I'm like, what? Who hurt my dog? Who hurt yes. my little dog like this? Excellent point. Excellent <laughs> point. And yes, in the midst of um, their successful thieving career, Estella is still, you know, pining for that fashion designer, you know, dream dream that she has. And one of her favorite designers was a prominent designer in London called the House of Baroness Mm -hmm. um, specifically found in the Liberty department store (laughs) I I put in my notes I with her when they were doing the 
the hotel heist and her looking out the window the song um, there's gotta be more to life <laughs> <laughs> do you know the song i'm talking about i i definitely remember hearing it i i just feel like all of them were so timely for whatever the moment was or whatever what she was going through so to your point the soundtrack was phenomenal was phenomenal and one of the things that i thought is worth mentioning in that same hotel uh, scene when she was looking at the House of Baroness sign on the TV, there was a black and white movie with a lady actress cackling. And I, I think that's worth noting because I think it plays a role in her laugh in the future. Oh, so, that's interesting point. Yeah. Cause yes. she basically created this, her persona this person. Yeah. Yes, that's a great yes, point. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So we make it to her birthday. And Jesper is so sweet and thoughtful that he got her a job at Liberty of London, which is the premier place for her to pursue her dream. And it was so funny because Horace is like, where's the angle? And he's like, there's no (laughs) angle to this. One one thing that I thought was interesting about this movie was Cruella didn't have any love interests. Do you feel like that was, um, that would have taken away from the film? I never even gave that any thought. Um, I think that it's supposed to speak more to the idea that Cruella is never going to have personal life as a focus for her. Her drive Mm -hmm. and her persona is so about her career and so folks, even rewatching 101 Dalmatians when Glenn Close did it, remember she was devastated that, um, Anita would ever leave fashion for marriage and family. She's like, mm-hmm. you have talent, darling. Like, <laughs> why would you? She said more. She said more women have been ruined by marriage than war, famine, Ooh. all these other things. Like she Ooh. is. Yeah, she's very <laughs> she was very anti like, you know, going that way in terms of being a woman. If you have talent, then that's your treasure. And that's what I don't even want to say traditional, but just the historic expectation of a woman right absolutely and at, you know at points in time and especially with her being someone because I love the fact that we're going back in time and reminded that she grew up in the 60s and 70s because yes. at that time that was the expectation for all women right you were considered to be limited in your choices and options exactly. so of course if she had the talent and drive to be career focused that was what she chose to do and so I think that's just what that speaks to more is that her origin story was never going to include a man because that's mm-hmm. not Cruella DeVille this is Cruella yes Cruella yeah DeVille true true that true that and I only brought that up because her dynamic with Jasper seems like it, it could have been but it wasn't you know what I mean yeah it was much more brother sister it was like he looked out for it was her very thoughtful and, and that's true her. just yeah. because a man is nice to you doesn't mean he wants you which is a lesson yeah it was family he was yes. family yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this is also Disney. So this is why I'm also asking. Because <laughs> but they no, like it's to, a great, they it's a great like question. to kill off mamas and they love a woman to be sure in love with somebody. Nobody ever has a mom. What is up it's with that, gross. Disney? It's what gross. Is up with that? Daddies, but not mamas. <laughs> Tiana had a mama and not a daddy, but that could be another conversation. Because she's black. Okay. Yep. All right. Girl. Fine. I, I, anyway. I'm furious talking about this. Okay. <laughs> so the funny part to me is that Estella's job at Liberty of London 
is a cleaning lady. So she's not even... She's not started from the bottom. Now we here. Damn. Exactly. I was going to say she doesn't have needle and thread in hand. Okay. She's scrubbing floors and the manager has no time for her at he all. Was such a weasel of a human being. You know, where he's from, him. you know, where he's from. I remember his face. That's why I don't like him. Exactly. Exactly. Ashley. That's why I don't like him. <laughs> Gross. And he had those ugly teeth. You remember he's that? Al- yes. He's always this weaselly type of person. Like yes. he looks like his breath stinks. Sorry to that yes. actor. Yep. I do not like you. Sorry. Uh, uh, exactly. And specifically the store window. She she wants to help with that because she has vision. She's a fashion prodigy as I and mentioned that's previously. The, that's the display. Even today if you go to you know, Rodale Drive or anywhere like that, your window yes. display is everything. Exactly. And he's not having it. And there were multiple times where he wanted to fire her because she was very persistent. I will give her that. Yes. Um, and one of the last times he was like, you know what, clean my office top to bottom and, you know, just drop it. Right. Well, she cleans his office, but she gets into his stash, the liquor stash. <laughs> and she... And it was brown, too, so I wonder. That brown liquor, okay? <laughs> and she gets drunk, and she goes through that s- store window. And the next thing you know, you wake up the next morning, and it's completely transformed into mm-hmm. something much more edgier, um, but fabulous. Of course. Yes. yes. And it gets the attention of the Baroness, who is the head of this most notable fashion line in London at the time. Can the I say real Baroness. can I say real quick though, that scene where trash fell on her and she ate the banana peel off of her face? <sighs> Emma, you grossed me out so bad, man. That was so <laughs> nasty. <laughs> that I had to note it because it was noteworthy. That was nasty. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, her boss could not handle it either. So. Yeah, he was like, oh, oh my God. That would have been me, though. I'd be like, okay, you're fired for that alone. You don't have any personal hygiene. Please go. You clearly can't clean the floors because you can't even, you're eating trash off your face. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the Baroness takes note. She even tells the store manager, she's like, because mind you, he fired Estella for what she did because, you know, this is just not what his vision was for the store. Right. And the Baroness tells him, she's like, this is the most interesting store window you've had in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And because Estella was fired from this department store, the Baroness hired her. So we're now... This is where the devil wears Prada aspect comes into play. You know what I mean? And I love it because you also get the great Nina Simone song, Feeling Good. You are introduced to the Baroness Playground, so to speak, her lair. <laughs> okay. A fashion. Okay. Um, you, you are introduced to her. Everyone's on the floor. She reads a review they celebrate for a minute, Ashley. What do you think this says about the caliber of excellence that the Baroness is looking for for her, her, her fashion house? 
Well, obviously, she definitely does not hold praise in for long because that idea of, okay, let that sink in. Okay, now get back to work and our next show has to be perfect. But it also spoke to her um, lack of uh, awareness of her crew that she only, and her own narcissism, that she only acknowledged herself and the what yes. the review said about her and did not say this was a team effort this was a kudos to all yes. like like great leaders should and do she was very much focused on they said I was a genius let me read that one more time so it definitely spoke to the fact that she was very self-absorbed and that she expected and demanded a lot from her staff she is a woman about her business Ashley like she <laughs> She takes nine minute power naps. She <laughs> runs over anyone who works for her, especially poor Roger. Okay. Um, Which again, he's a lawyer. He was a video game designer. What is happening? He was a musician in the animation version. Yeah. So he's been, yes. he's had all types of jobs. He was a yes. video game designer in the 96 film. <laughs> well, I will also say, I think they definitely were pulling from the original story, the the, the animation one, because she, it was a throwaway line, but she was like, oh, he's a really good lawyer, but he likes to spend his time playing at the bands at night or something like that. So it was, paying homage to to the original animated mm-hmm, film mm-hmm. got it got it so Estella's making a splash in the house of baroness so much so that in one of her designs the great baroness said i think you're something <laughs> what were your thoughts about their dynamics at this point also I mean, she definitely sees talent in her and quickly she becomes her kind of right hand when it comes to design and she respects her eye and respects her input, but she's still just a hired hand. I mean, she still sees her as useful until she's not. And she tells her that at one point, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. interesting, I guess, I'm sure a lot of designers do reach this point in her, in their career, but the Baroness designed nothing herself, you know? So she basically just claims everyone else's designs as her own, gives Mm -hmm. input, makes alterations, but she's relying on, you know, people like Estella to bring her new, fresh, innovative ideas. So Mm -hmm. that dynamic was interesting because she is nothing without the Estellas who continue to make her profitable and continue to make her number one. You know, she's feeding off of young talent, essentially. So I'm going to take a a moment here and talk about the great Emma Thompson. (laughs) I found myself enjoying her character. Like, was it giving me, you know, Meryl Streep vibes? Yeah, but I feel like she still was able to make it her own. Like the fact that she had a razor blade mm-hmm. she used in alterations also, you know, spoke to how sharp she was, how cunning she was. Um, and then one of my favorite moments in the film, Ashley, was when the men were trying to tell her about yes. her business. Yes. She read them. Yeah, (laughs) she did not take no shit. And it's funny because I love Emma Thompson. She's played so many types of roles, right? And she's another chameleon. Yes, she's another (laughs) chameleon in terms of her ability. So I get it because even Meryl Streep in the Devil Wars Prada. I didn't hate Meryl Streep and Devil Wars. That's Meryl freaking Streep. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Same. Her hair was and everything. She was were everything. Exactly. Everything. Yes. And you also both, I think Emma Thompson and Emma Stone are playing villainous roles, Very but they true. both did such a good job at still giving you human elements to those roles Absolutely. and making you want to, especially as a woman seeing other women, again, this era, this dynamic, this time period being powerful, being in control. Yes. Exactly. It, it is, it is something that we enjoy but obviously even you know the way she treats people when she nicked emma stone with the razor and then said hold on give me this red like she used it i was here for it i was here for it used it as a moment (laughs) with the clothes like she's diabolical right she's diabolical like emma emma thompson i love the two emmas y'all should be in another film together because y'all did the thing I'm glad that you said that because um, I watched Emma Stone's interview with Ellen and and Ellen asked, what was it like being on set with two Emmas? And so she said that she loved, uh, she loved it. And that sometimes they were, were referred to as Thompson and Stone because for her, it reminded her of Stark, Starky and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, I mean, of course, if you have your two leads have the same first name, you have to get you have to get a little more creative. creative. But I'm sure it was so satisfying creatively to um, to have this dynamic of them playing off of each other. And it showed in their performances. Absolutely. All right, Ashley. One day while Estella was working closely with the Baroness, she finds her family heirloom. Um, I don't think I mentioned it, but little Estella lost it when she ran away after seeing, witnessing the death of her mother. Um, And this is the first time she saw it in, in years. And so she was in shock and she asked, where did you get that? And the Baroness, I felt like this interaction showed us more of uh, the coldness or the, uh, what, what word am I trying to f- use here? Uh, you know, she didn't care about anyone but herself, frankly. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Everyone was, was simply thrown, like, throw away. So yeah. basically she was like, oh, it was a former employee trying to shake me down and she stole my necklace and she fell off a cliff. Well, the fact that she said, it's such a shame. Her death overshadowed my winter gala or whatever. Such a shame. Like, ma'am, someone dying overshadowed your fashion show and that was the tragedy. I mean, again, she's diabolical. She's a narcissist, but she's diabolical. at that point, I wrote in my notes, it was the Baroness party, you know, because. Mm -hmm. Clicked. It clicked. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen. I give you the angle. All right, Ashley. After Estella finds out where her family heirloom was, the way that the Baroness had her throwaway comments about her dear, sweet, beloved mother. And so she propositioned Jasper and Horace, like, I want my necklace back. Okay. So this is where the heist comes into play, Ashley. Um, this is where Ocean's Eleven comes into play, in my opinion. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so basically, they decided that this is going to be a big job. I think the biggest job that that they had ever had, really. Yes. 
and they talked about disabling the security system, bypassing cameras, and unlocking the safe during the biggest party of the season. And so one of the key elements to this heist is distraction. And one of the things that I did enjoy (laughs) about this part was Estella bringing up the people that the Baroness like to throw out you know, throw out her party. <laughs> so women, old women, sad women, women who hold poodles and women, <laughs> uh, stunning women or women who are upstage her. Yeah. The, again, speaking to the bareness narcissism, which is something that comes up quite often in this, in this story. So the other thing about this heist is she wants this necklace, but she also wants to keep her job. It's the night of the party and Horace and Jasper are dressed up as exterminators and Wink is a giant rat. Nothing that dog can't do. Okay. He played that role. When I tell (laughs) you that tickled me, we are introduced to a very grown up Anita Darling and she's a reporter of the Tattletale, which had me laughing hysterically by the name of this news <laughs> newspaper <laughs> the baroness is feeling herself because this is her party okay and i put in my notes in comes cruella that bad bitch over there okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I have to admit when i saw this scene in the previews i was like mm, this looks interesting but again i wasn't really feeling it because I felt like her wigs looked really cheap at that point in the previous. Oh, no. I did. I did. Well, he said, you look like y'all hired Tyler Perry's wig person. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> this is Disney, Delora. We got a, a bigger budget. Okay. Not that Tyler can't afford uh, it. That's not what I'm saying. He can. So weak. I'm so weak. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Cruella is introduced for the very first time, I guess in adult form. And she steals the key, throws the horse. Again, they are master thieves at this point. So they are quite, quite impressive. Surprisingly, the Baroness is invested or intrigued by Cruella and doesn't throw her out immediately. What did you think about that part, Ashley? Well, she's fabulous and she's wearing one of her old designs. Remember? Because she very smart. went to Artie's shop. We meet Artie, who was yes. amazing. You know, normal yes. is the worst insult of all. And I never get that. I had to write that down. I, I wrote him. that down, too. And the other thing that I loved about him was he was like, art, as in work in. Exactly. Because <laughs> you are. He was beautiful. I love Artie. Was. Yes. Um, but yeah, Baby so Bowie she's, vibes real, for, for real. sure. And I think that was another factor. She was intrigued. And then she was trying to figure out where have, where can I place you? Cause you look familiar. And then obviously she's wearing her, one of her uh, designs from her 1965 collection. So I think it's a number of things. And then she's also clever. She gives her a minute to like talk and she, mm-hmm. I mean, she is very charismatic as Cruella, right? Emma Stone yes. is. So you see that even though, um, Emma Thompson's character of the Baroness is so narcissistic and cruel. She is always intrigued by talent. 
And so whether she is a seller or Cruella, she is an intriguing individual. And that makes sense to me. I thought it was interesting too. Cruella at this point was literally flying by the seat of her pants, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it it took her off guard. She didn't expect um, the Baroness to you know, take such Keep interest her in her. Yes, yeah. yes. But I mean, it was such a Joker entrance too. And I know we haven't yes. talked about the fact that she's reminiscent of Joker. I know there's a lot of Joker comparisons out there, but it was such a Joker That's a good point. entrance, you know? I just, I sometimes think about Harley Quinn sometimes though. I don't know I if mean, it's because they're both women, but they're, it's on the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, she, and she's a, she's a Joker, you know, she was Joker's girlfriend and all of that. So her costumes and all that was very reminiscent of Joker as well. Cause he was a well, huge also her. unhinged. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's, she's mad as she says later. So yes, yes. but I, I just, I just mean to say, I think Harley Quinn is also valid because she falls mm-hmm. in that same scheme of the Joker. Right. But mm-hmm. it was just very much a spectacular entrance. I mean, I still want to know how she supposedly got that uh, white um, uh, coat she was wearing to disappear and turn morph into, exactly. you know, what she's like, it was fabulous. That red dress was everything though, for sure. And she said, I, I fixed it. Oh, do sit down. You know what I mean? Like, what are you exactly. saying? You fix exactly. my creation. You're funny. <laughs> exactly. Well, as you know, the heist going on with Horace being the one to make his way to the safe. You had Jasper in the truck trying to control the <laughs> the cameras. At one point, the cameras weren't working because real rats were there, which was so funny because it was ironic because they're exterminators horse gets caught and on the way back week is there <laughs> and when when horse was like that's a hybrid i was cracking up <laughs> again I, I, <laughs> wink is the real mvp that dog is amazing i want to know who trains that dog for real because he is an amazing actor okay exactly exactly <laughs> But actually, we find out that the Baroness herself is wearing the heirloom. It is not even in the safe. Why didn't and- we think of that? I felt frustrated in that moment, to be completely honest, because I was like, why didn't we think that that may have been the case? That was never an option. Yeah, same. I never really thought about it either. And so Corella, thinking really fast, steals the necklace. But unfortunately, one of the Dalmatians swallows it. And another important thing happened that night, Ashley. Corella sees the Baroness blowing a dog whistle. And she is immediately flashed back to her childhood. And she realized that her mother, death was not her fault. Mm-hmm. It was intentional because the Baroness sick her Dalmatians on her mom. What a fucking bitch. Girl. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is a Disney film. No, it's <laughs> But that's intense. how you feel in that moment. It's like, what? Yeah. Uh, another thing about this night, we see Cruella in the car driving or I should say trying to drive because she's a terrible driver. <laughs> But yeah, that was that was heavy, Ashley. And 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 again, I didn't see that coming. So I'm I'm invested, okay? One of my favorite lines, they say there are five stages of grief. 
Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Well, I'd like to add one more. Revenge. Mm-hmm. So this is where, frankly, I'm getting um, mean girl vibes in terms of the sabotage of it all. You could almost <laughs> hear the music and Katie talking over it about what she was going to do to the plastics. Like you could almost girl. hear it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, Estella can't shake Cruella, okay? Because she enters the room the next day and start bossing the guys around in the most disrespectful way, okay? And essentially, she's ordering them to steal those three dogs because she wants her necklace back, you know? Mm -hmm. And one of them, you know, swallowed it. This Um, is the start of the dog napping. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Uh, Cruella continues her her journey and she makes her way to the tattletale to meet with Anita darling. And she gets what a Anita. fabulous name. What a yes. fabulous name. <laughs> Anita is also very much a black person's name too. So I'm just going to put that out there. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes sense. Miss Anita. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, she gets the media in her back pocket because you know, she's clear at this point that she, she wants to move forward with her own fashion line and she's also sick of the bareness taking all of the air out of the room you know and taking I mean? credit for my work i mean clearly yes. anybody could strike out on their own because bareness does not do anything herself she's relying on their design so yes i'm gonna take my talents elsewhere okay right where i myself can benefit from it mm-hmm. and, and starting my own you, line Again, she's still working as Estella, even though Corella is very much alive at this point, because the idea is to keep your enemies close, okay? So back at the house's bareness, spring is here, and it's time for her to have her spring collection, okay? Uh, to your point earlier about the <laughs> destruction of the plastics, Estella pretty much states that her goal is to tear the bareness down she wants to destroy her business her status and her confidence and at this point she had stolen her dogs so strike number one Mm -hmm. at this part of the movie there's essentially a lot of montages of the bareness showing up at major events looking fabulous because she is you know the the fashion goddess that she is right mm-hmm. but Corella showing up upstaging her at every turn literally turning the lights off of her <laughs> and putting it on herself okay those entrances were killer did you have a favorite uh, Ashley get out of my head okay <laughs> that was my question to you sorry <laughs> what was your favorite upstaging moment <laughs> definitely the dumpster truck definitely yes, when she rolled dog. out of this dumpster truck you think it's trash and then she gets put pulled back and it's this long train I mean that was yes, fabulous it was fabulous first of all at some point though it was <laughs> It was so over the top to where when we did get to the the garbage one is also my favorite, but it also makes me laugh the most because again, 
you see all of this trash quote unquote rollout and then you see Emma Stone's face out of nowhere do this hee hee laugh and then gets up and then is uh, whisked away with this long ass train oh my gosh it was but amazing it's, it's like she's not even wearing a mask anymore at this point so how is yes! she not recognized like it's like you have to you have to put that whole you know putting fiction as fiction because it's almost like that whole Clark Kent uh Superman dynamic of who would not recognize that this person is this person? Exactly. You know? Exactly. So for the sake of film, we'll we'll pretend. But it was definitely like so nobody's gonna recognize her because she has a little makeup on her face. Okay. And Ashley, so you know this upstaging uh, of the Baroness. Corella is getting a lot of news in the press. Okay, and it's actually working. Corella's plan is working. She there's no dogs. She does not have her necklace and she does not, you know, she's getting so frustrated. She's not being inspired. She doesn't have a signature piece for her spring collection. She's so desperate though, that even on Estella's break, she steals her design girl. But can we talk about this scene real quick? When the Baroness tries to go and intimidate Anita at cocktail girl, I, I'm not going to lie. It was kind of scary for me. I'm not going to lie. I mean, at this point, I guess it's, it's not, I shouldn't be surprised. I was scared because we found out that she's willing to throw women off a cliff. Right. But with no rolling up to her job, it was intense. It was intense. And, uh, and so back to the house of Baroness, the stolen design for her, from Estella for her signature piece, she needed beading. Okay. First of all, can we talk about the base of that dress? That color was everything. It was gorgeous. But she gets the beading. And I'm not gonna lie, when I watched this the first time, I was like, Horace delivered this. This might mean something later. But yeah. you saw these beautiful golden beads. Ashley, this this dress was breathtaking. Okay. Beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous. Everyone at the at the fashion house was in awe of this, right? Mm-hmm. And Her one right hand man, like he couldn't even keep his take his eyes away. He would try to walk and he'd look back. Exactly. He'd try to walk and he'd look back. <laughs> it was it was actually I was thoroughly impressed by it. I'm not it gonna lie. It was stunning. It was stunning. And that's what that's what the Baroness says. She's like, it's stunning. I've done it again. <laughs> she's a psycho she's a psychopath so ashley estella and the baroness goes on this celebratory drink toast essentially and the baroness toasts to herself (laughs) and i feel like estella was starting to lose her cover just a little bit in the scene do you think the baroness had her scent on Estella at this point? I think she was starting to suspect something. Uh, that's a throwback to a line from a film. I think she was definitely starting <laughs> to suspect something because, um, you know, obviously, again, to our point, I think that it's definitely becoming more obvious to me the physical similarities one would think that she has with her. And then how big is the fashion scene the at this point to think yes. about like, oh, who could possibly, you know, and so you have her in-house you see her talent, you see the talent of Cruella, and you're like, "Mm, you're number one on my suspect list, but she wasn't sure. So Mm. I think she was starting to suspect it. 
But then, you know, I think she was trying to gauge it a little bit more with this lunch and with, to your point, Estella slash Cruella definitely was losing patience. She was rolling her eyes at her like, who do you think she could credit me? Obviously, I designed this. You're only taking credit for my beauty and my mind. Exactly. And you're a psycho if you think that's okay. But I do agree with what the Baroness said about when you reach a certain level of success, you had to have a certain killer instinct to get yes. there. Yes. But there's obviously a difference between having killer instinct and just being a killer. Girl, but she also said, I choose me every time. Every single time. In this, you know, screw over bareness plot that Corella has, she, it's important that the Baroness thinks Corella is trying to steal her designs. Mm -hmm. So with this fake uh, theft attempt, the Baroness locks up all of her spring collection. And apparently Stella also triggers the safe at at some point in time. Um, Back at the, the friend's house, Jasper confronts Stella. He's like, I'm, Horace and I are doing all these things for you. We're not even giving you a thank. We're not even giving a thank you. Yeah, like, over it. Your attitude sucks. This sucks. We are family and you're bossing us around. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. At this point, it was interesting because it was very subtle. Um, she, you know, she obviously had no regret right and she saw one of the dalmatians and she's like that would make a fabulous coat mm-hmm. and then that cackle mm-hmm. and i was like corella corella yes. is really here right now yes gives you I, i'll put in my notes too i said that dalmatian coat joke though gives a glimpse i mean you see what the future has in store for her character and that she would even joke about something like that then but it, you know, she's she's baby Cruella, so she's getting her stride right now. <laughs> Girl. All right. It's the big fashion night. Okay. Is the House of Baroness show. And it is clear that the Baroness suspects Estella being Cruella at this point because she asked her right hand man, John, to essentially lock Estella up in her office until the show is over but Corella has a one-up because the safe won't open (laughs) Ashley they are trying to unlock the safe and it just won't open and so they finally open it up and I have to say this was the most satisfying moment (laughs) of the entire film for me the moths that mm-hmm. flew out of that safe and ate up every single one of those pieces, Ashley. Woo. Masterful is what I put in my notes. That was truly, truly masterful. But can I also say, again, to speak to the Baroness's character, everybody else is freaking out when these moths come flying out. All she does is literally turn her cheek and let them moths just come and hit her in the face. I say, you know you crazy. She's <laughs> like, ice queen. She's, she's crazy. She's, she's actually Elsa. Yeah, <laughs> and with a cold heart as well. Exactly. Ashley, Corella not only destroyed the Baroness Spring Collection, she put on a fashion riot at the Regent's Park Fountain. Yes, yes. 
came out in a dog dress, girl. <laughs> she said, Baroness said she killed my dogs and made a coat. And she didn't. But it, again, is a speak to the future. It makes you future. wonder. It speak makes you the wonder. Future. Yes. Ashley, the queen is dead. The Baroness finds the friend's bat cave. That's what I put in my notes. <laughs> she found their house. Well, it was reckless to have Horace come to her office. It was reckless. Absolutely. Because that's who the Baroness recognized. Yep. Yep. So I actually blamed Cruella for that. I blamed Cruella for that. That was reckless. I was actually surprised by that too, because if you, if you looked hard enough, he was also the exterminator. So he's constantly popping up and it's like, "Mm, without a disguise. Exactly. Yes. She finds their bed cave because she follows Horace and Jasper there. Uh, The plan is to throw them in jail for killing Estella. So this is Cruella speaking at this point. She has, she has the Baroness, you're going to kill me because I upstaged you. And she just simply said, uh-huh. <laughs> As she's looking over her work, right? Like, what else can I take? Before I burn this place down, right? And uh, Corella comes clean with the Baroness. She's like, you killed my mother. And the Baroness, again, so just effortlessly, who? <laughs> You have to be more specific. I was like, oh, so she's a murderer, murderer. Stone cold killer. Stone cold. How many people has she murdered was my question in that moment. Like, you killed my mother. Uh, You have to be a tad bit more specific. Huh? What? Girl. How have you been getting away with this for all these years? So, Ashley, basically, Corella was like, I'm going to kill you and your dogs. (laughs) And again, foreshadowing, foreshadowing, okay, at this point. And the Baroness sets the house on fire. Corella is saved by John, who Mm -hmm. is the Baroness' right-hand man. He has been there by her side from the beginning, and he's the one that saves her. Isn't it ironic he spilled the tea over giving her tea? <laughs> He's just like, would you like some tea? <laughs> yes. Let me drink all of this because you're about to give me the good good. So, girl. Let's get into it. <laughs> this, sir, okay, literally spilled all the tea. He informed her that the beautiful Ruby heirloom. Mind you, the reason why I love Ruby, because that is my birthstone. Yes, I'm, I'm attracted to it. Anyway. <laughs> It's a, it's a key, Ashley, and it goes to a box and she sees that she has her birth certificate there. And he goes and tells her that she is the Baroness' daughter. Mind blowing, but, and yet makes so much sense. <laughs> makes so much <laughs> sense, but everything. Ashley, I will say this, what I did figure, I did figure before uh, we get, we got to this point that she was related in some way. I'm not going to lie. In my mind, though, the Baroness was like her grandmother or something. I was still mm. under the assumption that Catherine was her real mother and whatnot. And we come to find out in this conversation, the sweet, sweet Catherine was a maid at the house. So what happened was, let me back up some more. The Baron was a sweet man. 
and the Baroness has always been a narcissist. She finds out she's pregnant. She informs John to take care of it, i.e. kill the baby. Him having a heart because he's human decided that, no, I'm not going to kill this child. I'm going to, you know, have this child, you know, be taken away by the sweet maid, Catherine. The Baron, unfortunately, was not there during birth. And so he was informed that the child was, in fact, dead. And he wasted away as a result. And in all this tea spilling, he reveals to Corella that she is the true heir of the Hellman's Hill. Okay. She rich, rich. She rich, rich. Wealthy. Okay. And this sends Corella in a in a tizzy okay she runs away she goes to the beloved regent park fountain which i didn't mention previously is a place where she speaks to her mother and she has an epic conversation with her mother she tells her mother that she's like you tried to shape me with love essentially and she's like i really tried and because i love you i you know I did everything I could to be the sweet Estella that you love, but I was never her. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm Cruella. I was born brilliant, born bad, and a little bit mad. And I'm not like her, the Baroness. I'm better. I'm better, bitch. That's how she ended that. (laughs) That's my favorite line in the entire film. Born brilliant, born bad, and a little bit mad. Like, I just think that Emma Stone, again, brought out a spectacular performance because I was here for it. I put in my notes, this is a turning point where she decided to embrace her darkness. Like, she had been trying to put on a show and a performance her whole life. And now she finally feels like she's set free, honestly, to To be be her apologetically herself exactly yes. and Catherine obviously was wonderful and that's why she says you know I still love you I always love you but mom I gotta do me gotta do me absolutely love that scene favorite line the boys are locked up in jail and they're mourning the death of their dear friend Estella Estella not Cruella they wanted to make I sure that Estella? was known no oh, I'm, yes, saying, yes. I'm saying I'm <laughs> saying they made it a point to say, not Cruella, fuck her. This is, we're crying for Estella. Boy, they're in a rude awakening, huh? And Cruella busts them out of jail. And what cracks me up is they, she busts them out of jail and they were like, we'll still walk. We're good. We're, we're yeah. not, we're not we down ain't messing with cause. you. I appreciate the fact, though, that they just showed that she hadn't gone so off the deep end that she didn't care about them anymore. She didn't forget. She didn't forget where she came from. Exactly. And it was it was so funny to me that it took her saying the Baroness is my mom to get their attention. (laughs) What did Horace say? He was like, I'm literally like my mind is blown or something like that. And and Jasper was like, I can see that or that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Like they were the audience that moment. That was the reaction that we just had, right? So it was funny. That was a funny scene. Absolutely. And of course, she takes them back to John's place and tells them them the whole story. And she lets them know that they're her family. Yes. And she um, she used the family word. Yeah. Damn. Now we gotta do what she (laughs) now we gotta do what she wants us to do. (laughs) 
it was also one of my favorite lines in that scene where Jasper was like, listen, she's a homicidal maniac and you're not. And Corella was like, well, we don't know that yet. I'm still young. <laughs> yes, that was good. That was yes. good. Again, speaking to her future and who she's going to become. Because I will say this, to your point earlier about Emma and Emma Thompson and making her still a likable character. Emma Stone and watching this through Cruella's eyes, I know mm-hmm. she's a villain. But mm-hmm. you still root for her because you're understanding her origins. You're understanding yes. what made her who she was. So you don't hate Cruella DeVille in this film at all. At least I didn't. Yeah, no. No, I didn't like how she treated the guys. But yeah, I agree with I, I agree with you. And so they have yet another plan to confront the Baroness. Because at the end of the day, that's Cruella's house that she's staying up in. You know what I mean? And so, and she also has to avenge, revenge, and destroy because that's what she said her to her mother. She's about period, to period, <laughs> Pooh. Okay, and so basically, there's yet another big event. This time, a charity gala. Okay, and part of their plan was to send clothes to the Baroness guest list. <laughs> I call this section "Hello, Mother." the guests arrive to the at the baroness house all in corella inspired clothes especially the black and white wigs the way security was tackling them guests though can we say how aggressive that shit was like damn it was it was aggressive okay y'all are tackling these women to the ground like and it's really brilliant too because at this point the baroness knows that Corella is not dead because there was not a body found at the fire mm-hmm. and so somehow she had the police commissioner in her pocket that he came and told her that personally exactly exactly and she was throwing all the shade it wasn't even shade she was just throwing fire at this man she's like she calls everybody incompetent yeah. well that's true too but then that's she also threw too. that chair and told her maid you're in the way like Uh, she's too much it was a lot it was a lot this is where she was no longer likable of course because you know now you know she tried to kill her baby yes exactly her own (laughs) child (laughs) but i mean while she was getting ready for the gala she had john again her right hand man she was like what did you think i meant when i said take take care of it and then he was like i thought you meant you know you didn't want it she's like you obviously don't know me i was like yo this is a lot she this is a lot she is a psychopath she's a psychopath i also oh love uh, a scene right before that that corella got her last name got her corella deville from her car like i didn't realize that it never sunk in for yeah. me that that's where that came from because he was like point. this car is devil no it's pronounced deville Ooh, i like that like okay we're getting everything <laughs> i'm understanding everything everything yes and so the Baroness comes out to her gala again, always feeling herself. She had her three Dalmatians in hand and she is having a, a mild seizure when she sees all the black and white wigs in the audience. Okay. It's like, I love it when people have that one eye that starts twitching, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And of course to the general public, 
Corella's dead. So they, uh, and of course, Corella, you know, masterfully wrote in the letter, you know, in honor of our friend Corella, right? Yeah. How so, amazing was it though that she had garnered so much love and adoration yes. in such a short period of time? Because, you know, it was in all like the tab, like all the headlines they were showing yes. in that one montage of like, oh, the world mourns Corella's death, all this and that. Like, Wow, like that really goes to show how hyped up she was very early in her she career. She was, and and you know the Baroness, it backfired for the Baroness trying to get rid of her, but she upstaged her yet again, even, even in, death. in death. Exactly, yes. exactly. So Corella shows up, and then she dresses back as Estella, which was very interesting to me. At the first time I saw this, I was like, okay, you shows up, you show up fabulous as Corella, and then it's like, oh no. Let me just say Stella. But there's a why to it. There is a why. All right, Ashley. This is where it gets juicy, okay? The grand finale, darling. <laughs> the Dalmatians are drawn to the cliff. And the Baroness is not understanding why she then sees Estella on the same, in the same position as her mother all those years previously. And she six her Dalmatians on Estella. Well, the thing is, Estella was the one that called them. And when they got to her, she told them to sit down. She had full control of those dogs, Ashley. Yeah. And I I really questioned at the time, I was like, is it because the one with the whistle is in control? Or is it because while they were kidnapped, she bonded with them to the extent what they would listen to her now. I'm absolutely convinced it was like some Stockholm syndrome situations <laughs> for sure. Remember the scene back where she was talking about making them a coat and the dog comes over by the fire mm-hmm. and waits and she was like, I'll allow it. Right. Yep. So I think yep. they had they had definitely bonded and started to listen to her. I agree. And you can tell that the Baroness felt helpless at this point right um because she didn't have any tricks up her sleeve and this this scene was a lot (laughs) in terms of just the emotions that goes with it so i'll I'll explain it then i'll i'll elaborate so basically the baroness have a conversation with stella stella is pretty much saying i'm here to evict you okay because this is my house because you are my mother the baroness is in shock but then she's like it makes so much sense because you're fabulous like me and in this back and forth the baroness is slowly approaching estella just talking about all the ways that it makes sense that she was her daughter and like yes i tried to have you killed but i'm glad you didn't because you're such a talent just like me And in the process, they come face to face and they embrace Ashley. And you could tell there was a level of hesitancy, but there was a look on Estella's face when she finally got a hug from the Baroness that really touched my heart. (laughs) Okay, where it was like, this woman is my mother and I'm hugging her for the very first time, but also don't trust her because she's a murderer. Yeah, she and, literally said as she was approaching her, you're not going to push me off a cliff, are you? Ah, and don't the, be silly. Oh, don't be silly. And of course, what did she do? She pushes Estella off the cliff. Ashley, let's talk about this scene. H- how did you feel about how the Baroness took Estella being her daughter? And at this point, didn't she already know that was her daughter? Or 
So I think that she at this point is supposed to know because of the hair. Like I think the hair was supposed to be the giveaway, but obviously again, mm -hmm. this is the grand confrontation. So this is the first time we're talking about it and we're talking to one another as Estelle, as Cruella and the Baroness in this moment. So we have to discuss it, but her reaction was what I expected. And I think the fact that even Cruella knew that, and that's why she had an audience waiting to yes. see what she was going to do, including the police, you know, including yes. Popo, because at the end of the day, the Baroness, as she has said, and as she has proven, is not only a narcissist and picks herself first, but she is a stone cold killer. If you tried to kill me as an innocent baby, <sighs> why would you not kill me now as someone who you think is your nemesis and your rival? Right. Wait, she set her on fire. <laughs> Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. So yes, I fully well, I don't know if she fully knew she was her daughter at that point in time. No, but no, again, no. But I she knew Stella was Cruella. Exactly. And she set her on fire. Exactly. Yes. So if you were willing to kill me then, you're willing to kill me as an innocent baby, what would have changed between then and now? Right? Nothing. So wasn't surprising at all, but definitely still devastating because in the moment. Like the manipulation you could see was coming, Girl. but you also felt that yearn of just like somebody who probably does feel sad that, oh, this is who is my like biological mother. Like it was this very, it? Yep. yeah, it was very, very sad and disturbing. Can I say one quick, one quick thing too? Watching yes. this scene reminded me another influence of this to me is Tim Burton, like Tim Burton aesthetic. Mm, and I didn't yes. mention that before, but especially like with this dynamic a little bit. And the scenery, but in general, I wasn't surprised by what happened. I knew mm. it was coming. I just it's, felt it's like dark. You know, it's a little, it's a little wacky. It's not really wacky, but it was a level of comedic darkness to yeah. it. And you knew yes. it was coming because again, yes. Art, Artie and Horace and Jasper are inside telling everybody to come outside. And then a, and then Cruella had called the police beforehand and said there was going to be a robbery to ensure that the police were going to come. So yes. it was all just this grand setup. But I just wanted to know what was going to happen thereafter. Like was what was going to be the, the scenario? How was she going to recoup from being pushed over a cliff? girl and this is where the Sherlock Holmes situation comes into play because we find out that Corella knew that Estella was gonna die that day because when she was pushed off that cliff she parachuted into the water and Horace was there with the rowboat and she made her way back to the top of that cliff in grand Cruella fashion <laughs> A okay. well-cut skirt is a lifesaver, girls. Remember that. <laughs> and the fact that the Baroness also tried to play victim. She jumped. And everybody knew. You know what they say? It's like, um, believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. But she wasn't convincing those people that that girl jumped. They were like, no. Nah. Sis, <laughs> sis, we were all here. Even the security cameras caught it. Like, there's yes. no way around the fact that you pushed this child over a cliff were there security cameras in the 60s ashley probably for wealthy people then right oh i'm sure there were right i can't speak yeah. to how what high level of technology there would have been i'm sure it would have been a little grainy but probably i mean again yeah. we're talking about uber rich true. she had an estate yes very true <sighs> and the baroness was arrested and um, one of the things that Corella did in knowing that Estella was going to die, she she had Estella write off 
all of her all of her well-being, all of her estate over to Cruella DeVille, who is now the rightful owner of that great, great mansion. Masterful. We are then flashed to Cruella and Jasper and Horace and Buddy and Wink at Estella's funeral where, where Cruella was narrating the whole story. Mm-hmm. And the I have to say... The final look with Cruella in the estate was my favorite. I was like, she looks freaking amazing. The wig was on point. The red lip was on point. (laughs) Did you check her tombstone? On her tombstone, in my second viewing, I realized it said designer daughter dead. Like, what? (laughs) 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 No! (laughs) Y'all are so silly. Y'all are so silly. Oh my gosh. No, I did not catch that. Yes. They um, are too much for me. <laughs> and a small caveat also, the three Dalmatians, one of them was pregnant. Yes. And uh, a puppy was given to Anita, darling, as well as Roger, which might mean I doubt it, but there may be another 101 Dalmatian remake. They said, they said that they are looking to do another one. And it's it's the two dogs. It's Pongo and Perdita exactly. that we know for 101 Dalmatian. So I'm here for a continuation. I heard Glenn Close also has an idea for a continuation with her version of 101 Dalmatian. Really? So I'd be excited to see them come together. I'm glad that you said that because Glenn Close, she, mind you, in 2000, I think I was like, I don't know how, how old I was. I was very young. I was in elementary school at the time. I remember watching that movie and her, she was the first actor or actress that I hated. Hmm. I hated her. Like if I had saw her, if I had met Glenn Co- Close on the street. I, it would have just been hands. I don't know, but I Why really she did trying not to kill like an animal because she 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 cooked the bunny rabbit <laughs> in fatal attraction. <laughs> She's trying to kill some Dalmatian puppies. I felt that anger towards that woman. She played that role way too well. And Emma Stone was also a producer in this film too, which I love. I'm yes. like, yes, young, y'all, young y'all boss better chick. give Glenn Close her Academy Award before Period. she passes away. Do you Period. hear me? She deserves. She deserves. Do you hear me? Ashley, is there anything else you want to say about this film before we close our recap? Oh my goodness. Again, I loved it. I'm so glad that Disney, y'all let Cruella live her best villainous life. I am always here for origin story. I hope that they do some type of a sequel. I would love to see something with both Glenn and Emma Stone because it would be epic. Epic. And I'm glad we did this recap because it gave the opportunity to see this film. Guys, if you have not, check it out. Check it out. All right, Ashley, I do have a final question for you for this recap. Okay. Is there any other Disney villain that you would like to see an origin story for? Oh, wow. Captain Hook. Really? I think I would love to see an origin story for Captain Hook and get a better understanding for how he came to be someone who would hunt and kill children. Right? Because again, <laughs> yes. and 
and and I still like Hook, the film Hook from the nineties with Robin Williams. Everything. And, I mean, everything. I watch that film every single time Period. it comes on television. Dustin Hoffman was phenomenal. I can't that even role. express it. it. It means so much. Rufio, girl. Girl, I read a recent interview with Rufio now, and I'm yes. still just like, I literally is in my bed like, Rufio, Rufio, Rufio. Rufio. Oh. <laughs> yes. And how traumatizing it was to watch a child die. Like, that was one of the first Oof. films where we, like, as kids, saw another kid die. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because he was like, I ruined so many people's childhood. <gasps> and I was like, Oh. You didn't ruin it, but it was definitely devastating at the time, oh. right? It didn't hit me as hard as Mufasa, but I, I can see it. I can see it. Well, you know, Mufasa struck even the hearts of adults. Adults is in the theaters, <laughs> boo went over Mufasa. But but no, I think I think I would love to see, and that's just off the top of my head, right? I'm sure there's yeah. others, but Captain yeah. Hook is one I would be fascinated yeah. to see an origin story for. What about you? Ursula. Mm. Ursula would be amazing. Didn't they say they were going to make one with like Queen Latifah? Well, she did the live action, so she, she oh, she's played that's what Ursula. It was from. That's but for me, I, I want to go as far as why does she have octopus, you know, tentacles versus a fin? You know, why was she banished from King Triton? What was her role in the kingdom before she was? I just need to know the things. I just Ursula need to know. would be a great one. I'm here for both of them. Disney, yes. are you listening? Let's get this together. And let's, can we, can Gloria and I be a part of the projects? We'll be happy to uh, fly out on location for a little bit. We'll interview the cast. We'll recap the movie for you. We'll, we'll Absolutely. do all the and we'll, <laughs> Yeah, we have some other tricks up our sleeves. Y'all just haven't we seen sure yet. We sure do. We sure do. So anyway. All right, Ashley. That was a great question. I love that question. Yes. If there's nothing else, that's our recap for this week. Are you All right, ready girl. for some hidden gems? I am definitely ready for hidden gems. You want to go first? Sure. It'll be short and sweet this week. A black lady sketch show. That is my hidden gem this week, specifically season two. I do love. Well, okay. I'm not going to say I love. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I watched the first season, but I love the cast. Um, so second season, I actually genuinely love second season. I, I am missing Quinta though. So I wish she was still there, but I feel like this season, the sketches are just smarter. Like, like I thought last season I watched it because support, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was like really goofy and silly. I feel like this season, I it was just very smart comedy and I really enjoyed it. One of my favorite uh sketches this year was uh the mash one where you you know every the black game. girl absolutely black girl Mansion, apartment shelter house how many kids you gonna have exactly your top what type of car yes. girl who you gonna marry I yes. could probably still remember what my elementary school list is for my boo for my booze but I'm not gonna put y'all out there on on wax but when I tell you I felt seen as a black woman uh, the fact that they spoke to my black girl childhood okay (laughs) with this game and how it affected it was so funny because the sketch is essentially what if it was real right what would your life look like and especially if it was not the ideal right yeah yeah so that was a very smart one and then the other one I enjoyed was the 
fairy godmother for the woman who turns 35 uh, you, you 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 turn into um official auntie status or something like that first of all 35 Girl. y'all better stop okay stop it stop you it too close to that number i don't appreciate y'all <laughs> That one was hilarious. Although I do feel like sometimes funny sketches, it kind of remind me of Key and Pill. Like mm-hmm. it'll be funny, but then they keep going and they kind of go too far. Mm-hmm. That one was brilliant. But at the end, it was like, y'all went a little too far. And of course, I absolutely love their cameos. Um, Kev on stage even got a cameo this season on Black Lady Sketch Show. I'm like, come through Kev on stage. <laughs> so yeah, Thanks, sir. That's my hidden gem this week. What about yours, Ashley? I have two this week. My first one is Hacks on HBO Max, which, by the way, HBO Max is having some technical difficulties, so I need y'all to get it together. I was barely (laughs) able to watch this show. The last two episodes dropped. So please, tech people, get it all the way together. Anyway, love this show. It's about a comic legend played by Gene Smart working in Vegas and this young comedy writer, and they're kind of thrown together by circumstances with both of their careers and it's very like much you know humorous but a little dark humor too kind of ensues currently eight episodes on hbo max it actually has a hundred percent script critic score on rotten tomatoes which is really wild yeah yeah but uh i know uh one of my guy friends and his wife are watching this too so i love the fact that it's pulling in a, bit, a variety possibly of an audience because i do think the writing is clever i think it's funny I like the setup of it. So hacks, check that out on HBO Max. My second hidden gem is one that was in Netflix's top 10. So I just happened upon it. It's called High on the Hog. How African-American girl transformed America. We may have to recap that one. It's important. Good. Like I learned so much about our history. Yes. The motherland. Yes. States. Yes. And all the stories in between. It's Good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah from the locals today who are still trying to keep this culinary history and tradition I look, alive I, look, I got emotional like it was i mean it. i got emotional especially when the host got emotional when he was in africa like that really touched me deeply because i still haven't been to africa and i can only imagine what you feel and the difference in experience in that firsthand exactly and guys it's only four episodes that also delora has a hundred percent critic score on rotten tomatoes okay so yeah that may that may be a future recap for us guys we'll see maybe next week we'll let you know but those are my two hidden gems girl and again loved this recap it was a pleasure today was a hot dumpster fire of a day so i appreciate this time with you i appreciate all of you guys for i appreciate you too ashley and thank you thank you everyone love you so much share 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 rate 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 we'll see you next week Look forward to it. Bye. Bye.